Hey, Neo. 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 Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And on today's episode of Who's There, our weekly call-in show, we're going to respond to a very specific piece of feedback we received, which means the show's going to sound a little different. And to us, it's something that's a little uncomfortable because as two millennial white people who don't acknowledge race enough... And also, I think, couple that with the fact and acute awareness that we have a predominantly white audience, which makes it easier for us to not acknowledge race, not to mention our own, you know, white fragility, which is also the title of a book the two of us and so many other people around the world have read and learned about themselves from. We just need to have an open conversation about not only race in general, but our approach to race and racism, failures we've made in the past, ways we could do better, ways our audience can do better, but mostly ways we can do better. And by talking about it and working out the ways that we could do better, we know we can make this show a better place, a more inclusive place, and a place that like you can all continue to enjoy and love and grow and learn from. Yeah, I want to say also, you know, we're doing this because we need to fix this show. And we want to help you understand like, systemic racism is in every corner of everything this show pop culture culture everything in ways that we're aware of and then like also in ways that we'll never fully be aware of you know and every single person who cares about this needs to do the work we as white people we have to realize that this infects every part of our life including this podcast which we didn't really realize before including this podcast and that's what this episode is about and it includes each of us kind of talking through that you know I'm, I'm literally quoting White Fragility here because I think she says it in a way that made it very clear for me. Racial bias is largely unconscious and the defensiveness that ensues upon suggestion of racial bias is classic white fragility because it projects our racial bias while simultaneously affirming our identities as open-minded. That's the thing. It's like, you're like, I'm open-minded. I don't have racial bias. I'm, I'm down for whatever. It's like that itself, that defensiveness we were infected with that, you know, like that's how we felt. And I think it's just like easy for us to forget that even though this platform is for garbage, it's still a platform that can be used for good. And right now, when it seems like every good person in the country is doing their part to either protest or donate or spread the word or spread awareness that police brutality is killing black people, and that systemic racism exists to the extent that like you can't You can't not look at it anymore. You can't ignore it anymore, especially as white people. We no longer get to say that we're not going to talk about these things because it makes the show less fun. We get calls a lot uh, and emails and tweets and texts from people who say, I'm so glad that I have Who Weekly to listen to because the news is so rough. Everything's so sad. These have been happening for years. And we let those calls do a lot of the talking for us because it's easier, right? You get a call that says, I love it when you don't talk about difficult things because it makes me happier. And that sort of subconsciously makes us think, oh, great. We don't have to talk about this. This is what our listeners want. And it makes us comfortable. And everybody's comfortable. And like, it's fine. And we can keep going. White people should not be comfortable right now. And every conversation about this stuff should be difficult because it's difficult to talk about these things. If they mm-hmm. were easy, then we wouldn't have this issue. Every type of podcast, every type of entertainment show should be grappling with this because ultimately black culture is throughout all of entertainment and culture, greater culture. So when we don't talk about people or things because they're not familiar to us, that's a failure. We talk about things that we don't know about all the time. I mean, fucking up on this podcast is truly my forte. Like, I can't pronounce anything correctly. <laughs> you can't pronounce I, any words. Like, I, well, whatever. You don't know idioms, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I think this is why people like Who Weekly, aside from they like celebrity gossip, but this is a show that is just us. Like, it's our personalities. It's actually quite personal that we do this every week. So if our, if we can't grapple with like our own personal biases, what we watch, what we, you know, listen to, what we read. And that f- goes into the podcast. No amount of phone calls from anyone saying, hey, check this out, or hey, here's my thought, or da-da-da, can push that, can fix that, right? 
Right. It has to be from us. We can't just lean on your phone calls, even though we love them, love listening to them, all of that stuff. It's not your job to do that for us. And when we think about the phone calls as, you know, guidance for the show, we think, oh, people are calling about this, which means they want us to talk about this. We use that as guidance. But people are only going to comment on things that we choose to talk about. We sometimes put the onus on the callers undeservedly, even though you deserve plenty of credit because you do structure the entirety of the Friday show. The Monday show is us. The Monday show is completely up to us. So while, yes, the calls can be an explanation for half of the podcast, the other half is entirely up to what we put in the Google Doc. We have a largely white audience. We're aware of that. Acutely aware of that. (laughs) Because you know what? What we choose to talk about is what you choose to talk to us about because you say, oh, they love uh, whatever, Chromatica, Lady Gaga. I'm going to push in that same direction. Do you know what I mean? Like the more and more we kind of think about it, it's like it's an ecosystem that just feeds itself, right? It's a feedback loop. It's a feedback loop. It's a feedback loop. loop. It's like a we're in prophecy. a feedback loop, right? And so we have to do more work to break out of that feedback loop. And if that means talking about black who's that we don't really know about, doing more research or saying, I don't know about this, but I'm going to tackle it anyways, just like we do with like some random Australian mm-hmm. who. Shout out Australian who's. And I think this is the the important distinction, though. Still, we have the fucking best jobs in the world. To say, which we are going to do, we are going to, to quote Amina on who dat, we're going to decolonize our media diet, right? We're going to start consuming more things. Why don't we watch Growing Up Hip Hop? Why don't we watch Real Housewives of Atlanta? Why don't we watch these shows that have predominantly Black cast members? There are plenty of ways we could explain those, but those explanations don't matter. And I think we typically fall on like, well, we don't watch it because XYZ, when the whole point of the show is for us to learn about new people. That's literally right. what this show is. Right. This is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. How are we going to educate you about celebrities you don't know unless we put in the work ourselves? And here, here's yeah. the thing. Whenever we say we want to decolonize our media diet, it's going to be fun for us. It's going to be fun for us to watch more things, to diversify right. what we listen to. That's fun. And that's that's part one. That's part one of making the show better. Watch more things, listen to more things, talk to more people that will in turn diversify the calls that we get. That'll make the show better for you and more educational. I love when we call the show educational. It'll make the show more educational. Baseline education. But I just want to say along the lines of what you're saying, that doesn't mean we won't fuck up. I think the thing is, is like I would much rather from what I've learned from listening bring up someone talk about someone new bring up a black who talk about a you know a person of color who that I've never heard of before and do research and miss something because we miss shit all the time as you know we miss shit all the time and Mm -hmm. miss something then not talk about that person at all because for me the main issue is being afraid to not be the expert you know we're both journalists or we have journalist backgrounds I don't know if I would call us journalists anymore I guess we can sure we're both journalists we're both writers what we're trained to do is to seek an to be the expert or to get an expert okay and i think for this podcast it's a totally different situation that needs to be thrown out the window you know Mm -hmm. because that means if you don't feel comfortable being an expert you feel like you're not equipped to have the conversation which is not right yeah so that's part one of the ways that we can make the show better we diversify our media diet that's the easy part But part two is the hard part. Part two is whenever we are talking about something where things get remotely uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about how sometimes we don't talk about stories because they literally involve murder or just acts of brutality that are just like, or or mental illness where it's like, that is not something we should be commenting on. Yeah, yes. Which brings us to the subject of Alison Roman, which is something where we really fucked up by not talking about it more. And... I don't want to act like this is coming out of nowhere. This is in response to our own sort of observation of the cultural landscape and realizing that as white people, we have to do better. But it's also a response to a very specific email that we got from a black hooligan, not just a black hooligan, a long-term black hooligan, someone who's been listening since day one. A true long time, long time. Who spent a lot of time writing an email to us saying, hey, I was disappointed by your coverage of Alison Roman. I'm disappointed by the way you treat who dat as a place to silo your black who conversations. Why don't you do that more often? And she called us out for not spending the appropriate time and energy on the Alison Roman conversation, which I think we can try to rectify now. 
what we did is what I think white people do all the time, and specifically us, because our sh our show is about talking, right? We have a podcast, and we don't want to talk about things that make us uncomfortable. To quote the emailer, we fully dropped the ball on our Alice and Roman coverage. We could have talked about it more. We could have talked about what it means to be someone like Alice and Roman, who is like us in so many ways. She works yeah. in media. She lives in New York. She's white. Or she's a millennial. She benefits from black culture. She benefits from, from she other benefits cultures from... in her recipes and her work. She takes from other cultures and puts them into her work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and has benefited from those for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that like we can not only criticize Alison Roman, we can talk about why what she did was wrong, which we will do in a second. We can also learn from Alison Roman. So like by talking about what she did wrong, we're not only teaching ourselves, but hopefully we're teaching the other white people who are listening to this and yeah. are like not thinking about it, who are trying to disregard it just like we do. Who heard us and said, oh, that seems reasonable. Because I think the thing is, is that we went into that conversation focusing on what we thought was what we talk about when the major issue with it was something completely different. And when we got a response, we got that response, we got that call, we listened to that call, we played that call, and we didn't use our own voices to continue the conversation of that call. Because ultimately what I think what I'm learning too is our voices and us talking, even if again, we're uncomfortable with it, are louder and more impactful than sometimes the callers. I think yeah. we hold the callers in such high esteem, but ultimately, this is our podcast. We are the hosts. Yeah. Like that is our thing. So you guys come here to hear us. We've sometimes very uh, self-consciously think, well, who wants to hear us? So having that Allison Roman conversation end so abruptly was unacceptable. And we should have kept talking and we should have engaged with the caller who very graciously called in to say, here are some other things you should talk about. Th that was a Monday episode that we talked about it, right? We could have yeah. fucked up on the Monday episode and made it right on the Friday episode. I think I know, that's something that's so great about this podcast. We we give ourselves the op we not only give ourselves the opportunity to correct things, y'all give us the opportunity to correct things. And yeah. what we did reminds me of a thing that is extremely prevalent in media, and you will have seen plenty of black writers talking about it right now on your timelines. So often, editors assign stories about blackness and race and inequality to black writers and black writers are like why does it have to be me right. you will see plenty of tweets and instagrams talking about that what we did is a shade of that what we did is essentially that yeah where we said go read this article it's better than what we could say oh this this writer this south asian writer wrote about it so just read his words you know oh this caller called in just listen to what they have to say this is not on us. And right. that sucks and we shouldn't have done it. And we won't do it in the future. Yeah. The other thing I just want to talk about, again, like just media diet shit that I think about or I'm thinking about a lot is like, you know, I love reading Bossip. I love reading the Jasmine brand. I love reading all these sources. But ultimately, my media diet, our RSS reader, the tabloids we look at when we do tabloid talk, I mean, these are white publications run by white people right and so mm -hmm. by virtue of that that affects us like mm -hmm. us not seeking out broader culture that's a problem and i and i think it's one of those things where it's harder work to do that but we have to do it because these are the people that own every single fucking magazine which is something we always fucking talk about but i think we talk about it in like a different way we don't talk about it in terms of race at all but it's like we look at Us Weekly. This is our namesake, right? You look at the cover of Us Weekly last week, and we talked about it. We talked about it. Who was on the cover of Us Weekly this week? Lori Loughlin, her husband, Massimo, Megan Fox, Machine Gun Kelly, Matt Lauer, and Savannah Guthrie. Dwayne Wade is there, but it's an ad. That doesn't It's an count. advertisement for a mask, for a face mask. That is a 100% white cover. And there are huge implications of that because that means that the average person who's going to the grocery store and picking up celebrity gossip is only reading. Because... A lot of people aren't buying it. They're just looking at the cover to begin with. They're just seeing the white gossip. They're just seeing the white people. And yeah. for us not to comment on that is not only doing y'all a disservice, but it's doing Us Weekly a disservice. We know that they listen to us. We know people at Us Weekly listen to Who Weekly. So it is our duty to call out 
whenever Us Weekly fucks up, just like it's our duty to call out when we fuck up. Right, because we're we're calling out other things all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, I hope, I mean, we mock with love, but the whole thing is like how weird the tabloid industry is. Like mm-hmm. how the way they write headlines, how we talk about celebrities, all this stuff, like we should be calling out that as well. And I think we thought we weren't in the position to do so, but it doesn't matter. Like we should be doing it anyways because we should we should know better. Yeah, we should know better. And we thought, oh, this isn't really our place. That's not what the podcast is about. If that's not what the podcast is about, then we have to make it about that, you know? Especially now that like it is unconscionable for white people who have microphones to not use those microphones to right. speak truth to power when it comes to systemic racism. It sucks that it had to be now that it feels like we are now just recognizing this about our full mm-hmm. entire show, not even like, oh, of recent, we need to be more sensitive, da, da, da. It's like, no, like the full show needs to move forward and be different. And I think I'm grateful for the learning opportunity. I'm grateful for that email because I feel like it's something that we've always skirted the line of and been uncomfortable and being uncomfortable sucks like being uncomfortable about make putting yourself into uncomfortable situations sucks like you gotta go for it and we haven't even talked about this but it's like when we send an email back we thought wow what an email like truly we sent an email back and we were like we're good white people we sent an email back that was thoughtful that was acknowledging what this person said And we explained our situation, and now she understands it. That was the entirely wrong way to go about this. She didn't need to know where we came from. She didn't need us to explain why we did X, Y, and Z. She needed us to acknowledge her points and learn from them. Yeah, and if we would have read this email as an as an apology note, we frequently talk about people's apology emails, apology notes, or whatever, we would have... You know, it's funny, we like would have out given of context, it a failing grade. we would have said, oh, this is a fuck up. Why is this person going on and on and on? I think the issue is we were defensive because this is our lives and we got defensive. And that is the number one thing that we shouldn't have done. And she didn't deserve our defensive response. You know, the first time mm-hmm. around, like it just wasn't the right way to respond. Like no, not at all. bottom line, she gave us feedback, did not have to give us feedback. And she was right. Like we do need to do, do better moving forward, even if it is just the smallest amount of audience who notices this, who sees this. Yeah. Because it's, we're not trying to make a show that is not inclusive. That is not what we're about. No. Like, I don't want to pretend like we are on the level of white fragility, which you have to read. You can't just buy it and take a photo of it, white people. I don't want to say that we're on that level, but we should be using this podcast to talk about the lessons we've learned from books like that one. Well, we should be applying the lessons we read in books like that to the conversations we have that are about, honestly, bullshit. But the point is, is like that should be in the back of our mind and that should be part of our everyday thinking and reasoning and conversation, even if it is about the stupidest thing ever. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the the issue. Like we, we can all agree that who's and them's and the stuff we talk about is just so stupid but the idea is if we're gonna say hey we're elevating this conversation we're being smart about it we're smart da 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 then we have to be better we have to do better because then there's no point of this show you might as well just read us weekly i mean if you want to you might as well just read us weekly and they need to change their practices just like we need to change ours which i hope we're changing starting today and for the rest of time um but we've talked about allison roman and chrissy teigen and marie kondo but not enough and i think we should just sort of revisit that entirely what did allison do wrong this is a segment now this is a segment now about allison roman and chrissy teigen what did she do wrong she called out women of color and she called out an asian american woman and a japanese woman when she could have called out literally anyone and where did that come from even if she were to say that she just picked two famous women and she didn't really put much thought into it that's not the point the point is she failed to recognize that she did after she said it and also you know there's the whole thing where people take Allison Roman's recipes at face value when there's it's so much more complicated the types of food that she makes if she makes something with with turmeric and everyone says this seems like a curry and she says it's not a curry that's something that needs to be discussed because ultimately she is not seeing that what she is doing is like taking food that is made by people of color and turning into white food 
you know, taking yeah. a picture of it on a, taking a picture of it on a ceramic plate, bl- you know, blowing out the 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 what do you call it the the, the it saturated really... the, the yeah. contrast or whatever yeah 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 no but it's it's also like it's a thing that she does it's just like i i think that she excuses it for herself i'm trying to use my own my own existence as a white person to understand why allison does what she does yeah. but it's sort of like you've read her books like i read her books her books have like a very specific point of view that's why they're successful they're not just mm-hmm. recipes that you can make pretty easily they're like really intense food writing that's like funny and extremely voicey and kind of angry and assertive and so she'll do things like like that one that i couldn't stop laughing at that i was sending you when that book came out when what what the fuck the new one nothing fancy came out when she's like i will not call slaw slaw it's not slaw it is salad it's not slaw i hate the word slaw she doesn't understand that whenever she applies that sort of thing to a curry by calling it like a turmeric stew instead. She erases the origin of the food that she's making by using ingredients that usually come from food that is not made by white people. Like that is the thing. You're right. Like that is the... And so instead of... And so in her mind, she's saying, no, that's just who I am. I create definitions of things for myself. I interpret things the way I interpret them. And I have a new vocabulary and it's something I created. And she did, but by creating that vocabulary, like you can create that vocabulary without erasing the origin. Right. I think the idea too, right, is like taking away the history as you divorcing the history of the food or not even looking at it as a whole new thing that you created without looking at where it came from. That's the Mm -hmm. problem. You are allowed to cook however you want to cook. Like I think... No one is saying that you're not. I just think if you're going to be publishing that food and creating new recipes and mixing it up and defining yourself, like divorcing the history of that food erases the people who contributed to it in the first place. And that erases, you know, their contributions. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of conversation we should have had however many months ago two months ago i don't even understand when this was i know <laughs> when did this happen a feels, month ago i know remember. the beginning of may may 11th yeah but you Lindsay, know, that, that, al- been... that apology was may 11th that was less right. than one month ago so that should have been the conversation we had when that person called in and actually started that conversation for us we should have finished it and you know what maybe we weren't equipped at the time to do it i don't know like we probably weren't i think we were equipped we just weren't thinking we were doing what we've we done for so long which is we like we wanted to move on yeah we didn't want to be uncomfortable this is the point of today's episode is like we're not going to not do things because we're uncomfortable anymore and every white person needs to stop doing that like i and it's and it's down to this it's down to sharing things on your instagram even though you're afraid it's going to look like virtue signaling share it anyway i didn't want to go to a protest this week and i was convincing myself no it's because of coronavirus it's because of coronavirus i don't want to go because i don't want to get sick but i had to go anyway. I just went. Yeah. Like I'm gonna yeah. keep going and to them. And it changes going to them changes the way changes your perspective completely, completely from watching the news or looking at Twitter. Oh my God! Like absolutely being there yesterday. Like I didn't give a shit about coronavirus when I was there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like but the idea that like again with the media bubble, it's like even people on Twitter and the actual local news, which is terrible, the New York Times, everyone, you can't really get a clear view until you show up. And if there are protests Mm -hmm. in your area and you're not showing up, like you're not going to know what's going on, right? You know, if you can show up, you kind of have to. You are not going to fully empathize with anything. Just like if we don't watch Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, if we want to talk about somebody on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, we're not going to get the full picture. And it's again, like, I want to reiterate this. That imagine that being your fucking job that is our job all we have to do is watch love and hip-hop all we have to do is ingest more black gossip non-white gossip non-white content that's easy ingesting content is easy and we should do it we should do it more we just can't trust our sources we can't trust the daily mail to give us a (laughs) spectrum of information we just can't like we cannot just say oh look at the daily mail and pick out the funniest thing like we Uh just can't do that anymore like they are funny and i hope we continue to laugh at them but that cannot be the full media diet that cannot be the full show you know Mm -hmm. and i think that brings us to who dat which is a long time and much loved segment on the show that Again, we let our own thoughtlessness get in the way of what who dad actually represents and could be. Well, it what it should be is everything that Shawnee and Amina want to talk about, which could be anything. And I think mm-hmm. what we were doing was we were pushing black culture to them as their responsibility, which it isn't, and kind of saying, 
you know, we don't have to cover this because they will. And that's unacceptable. They could talk they about whatever to. they want. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like Shawnee and Amina created could talk Houdat. about anything. They created Houdat and they they wanted to come on the show. And we're lucky that they even want to come on the show at all. And it's about their personalities. And yeah. And that's what I think people like. Not that they talk about specific things. It's that they're funny and fun. And like and smart. when they teach us, you know, I'm there for that and I'm grateful for it. But we shouldn't expect that from them. It mm-hmm. should be a bonus. We let Houdat exist in a bubble. And really what Houdat should have been and should be moving forward is the beginning of a conversation that continues throughout the rest of our show. Yeah. Um, more often than not, it was easier to say, you know what, let's say this for Shani and Amina. And again, we right. would let we would let right. the the white callers who express similar opinions, you know, exist as confirma- confirmation bias to us. Where it's like, oh, we have a, a, a caller calling in and saying that they would prefer this to go to Shani and Amina. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do no, that. We, don't we have just to agreed to that because it was easier for us to. Well, the other thing, too, is like, you know. The thing with Hudat that I love, right, and I hope that it shines through, is that Bobby comes from Texas. I come from Massachusetts. We have, we both have different backgrounds, but we also have a background that kind of overlaps. Because we have white suburban white backgrounds. kids, Subur- yeah. suburban white kids. So, who watched a ton of VH1 in their right. teenage years? The references that we have that go back to like our childhood those will always be there. We have to kind of like fight against them, you know? Yeah, well, also the references that we have from our childhood don't have to go away, but they should be supplemented by new references. And I think that that's the problem. Our new references always end up being pretty white as well. I mean, look at fucking (laughs) Chromatica. What's whiter than Lady Gaga like on a planet? Like, like, and Lady Gaga, to her credit, is doing like plenty of work for the Black Lives Matter movement. She really is doing a lot, but that doesn't change the fact that that is another humongous piece of the white monoculture. And it doesn't change the fact that like we, chose to focus on our patreon this white woman exclusively for a couple of episodes and so it's like yeah. we just need to diversify who we talk about on our patreon because again this yeah. sort of thing i'm trying to think of an industry where this could be more difficult i'm certain i'm just trying to it's like so hard for me to think of like work that isn't this job but it's like i'm certain that it that it is more of a struggle for white people in, under, in other industries to think differently and to act differently that cannot be said for the two of us. It's it's easy for us to make these changes to this show because we are just two people who run this show. It's entirely yeah. up to us. We can do all the changes. So that's just something that has to be done. And we can talk about it more on the Patreon because I guess like that's a different listenership or, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they overlap too, but, it, but we can and talk we about it more on the Patreon. But like, you know, the Patreon is a place where we kind of like create activities for hooligans you know we say watch this listen to that talk about this that we'll do this da, da, da. that severely needs to be looked at because it's like we should not be recommending the same shit over and over again well it's like here's a crazy thing that we haven't even talked about the two of us but it's like we're out here being like hey everyone watch run meanwhile insecure is right there you know what yeah. i mean like that's a little thing that's like not right. a huge thing but insecure is right there i wish we watched honestly insecure has been so good this season i i wish we watched it instead of run we run was the was was a piece of garbage piece of garbage okay let's not this is not a run podcast um (laughs) but but i get what you're saying that's like that's what i'm saying like this like it's so hard to see that but we have to see Mm -hmm. that you know Yeah. yeah we have to see it and that just goes to show you that like it's it's everywhere it's everywhere the moment the moment we white people start acknowledging the fact that we are complicit in the prevalence and continuation of systemic racism in America and the world, the moment you acknowledge that honestly to yourself, you will never not see it everywhere. You will never not feel mortified for everything you've done to perpetuate it. And the only thing you can do is to acknowledge it to people, do your best to educate other white people, and to fix yourself. And so this is step one in fixing ourselves and this podcast. Yeah. And if we have to do it on this platform publicly for other people to maybe have this spark, maybe they didn't realize that they've been listening. They didn't take they they didn't even see this like we didn't mm. see it either. Then I hope that's good. And yes, mm-hmm. this is not a very funny episode, no. but ultimately 
I think this makes our show better. And I, I, yeah. I think that it makes our show funnier. And I'm excited to expand the Hooniverse because ultimately we're, we're, we are also always running out of shit to talk about. Like the fact yeah. that we aren't even mining from these communities because we're There's uncomfortable. There's no excuse. There's like no excuse to not like to run out of things to talk about. Like, like true crime podcasts, like scary murder podcasts, I'm sure they're stressed out because it's like we're going to run out of spooky murders. <laughs> you know we don't yeah. have that excuse we can never run out of things to talk about because the who celebrities are everywhere like a like the real universe the who universe is ever expanding that's just physics yeah. right like that's physics yeah. the who universe just yeah. keeps expanding and outside you you what you briefly talked about it you know and we meant again we opened the show with it last week i hope that felt well intentioned if not like the right move now i think this is what we should have done in the beginning mm-hmm. you know Black people being targeted by the police is so unbelievably fucked up that I cannot believe it's not obvious to white people. Like, of course, it's obvious to black people. It's been obvious to them their entire lives. And we've given ourselves a pass to ignore it for so long. And I just, you know, I want to say these names. We're big on names in this show, you know, like we're always like, who is in thems? But like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Philando Castile, Tony McDade, Sandra Bland, these names, like it's only the tip of the iceberg. And I'm saying all these names, like this is only the beginning of the long list of people. It's just like, to me, one of those things where you have to keep on talking about it. You have to keep on saying it, even mm-hmm. if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Even if it's in a podcast about liberties. Um, yeah. We yeah. got to do it. But I guess, do we want to talk about the protests? I think that this should be an episode. I think that we should just like, if we're going to make the show different, I think we should make the show different starting well, now. You know, so. I saw a really good tweet that, first of all, I, I saw a really, I mean, it's like my whole life, my whole, I saw a really good tweet that made me really think this is from uh, at Taskaneki on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it said, this is kind of relating to celebrities and who celebrities protesting. And this is somebody we've talked about relatively recently. For John Boyega to say he doesn't know if he'll have a career after this, while non-black celebs are being praised for simply acknowledging the BLM movement is very telling. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have John Boyega, who has already kind of been controversial in terms of saying things and the kind of uh, Star Star Wars contingent has been like, ugh, ugh, you know. Well, Star Wars Speak- fans are really, really loud and opinionated and he right. has pissed them off in the past. Right. And this is We've a completely different that. level. This is right. So him out here at a protest speaking up and saying, you know, I don't fuck if I don't have a career after this, fuck that. I think that's kind of along the lines. And of the thing said, is right? like he that's not an exaggeration from a lot of people that like if Daisy Ridley was like, if I don't have a career after this, like that Daisy Ridley couldn't say that for John Boyega. That's true. Yeah. That is a real right. threat to him. Right. Because as a black person, he's less seen in Hollywood. He's less seen in the movie industry. I see this when I see, you know, celebrities being covered in protesting, which I think is great. Like everyone should be out there, right? Like we don't, we're not just encouraging you guys. We're encouraging everyone. We're encouraging all celebrities. But to recognize the difference between someone like John Boyega speaking out like that and being covered in a very specific way as like kind of an antagonizer, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Ben Affleck, who, you know, again, good for him. The but. funny, but also like the funniest picture alive of Ben Affleck protesting in Venice, which got a lot of attention as which is like, you know, ultimately good. But no one is saying, oh, Ben Affleck careers over because he's holding a Black Lives Matter sign when like that really is something that John Boyega is out here saying like his yeah. like he's worried about that. But like Ben Affleck, it's the least that he can do. Yeah. And then you have Lana Del Rey who gets in trouble yet again. Number one, after weeks ago, making to be like, frankly, ridiculous and nonsensical comparison to women of color, pop stars, you can't compare yourself to them, Lana Del Rey, for many, many reasons, but specifically like calling out these women of color 
as people who've like gotten away with things that you haven't gotten away with is like wildly tone deaf. But then she goes out here and posts a looting video with faces. And that's like one of the rules that you're not supposed to break. Do not post do not post looting videos. Do not post people, protesters' faces in your Instagrams. And who got mad at her? Kehlani and Tinashe. Two pop stars and who's who are women of color. Like, you have this black woman saying, Lana Del Rey, do better. She continues to behave ridiculously and thoughtlessly and ignorantly. And I don't know, it's good that she is being called out. I hope that Lana has somebody in her life, like the hooligan who emailed us, <laughs> to say, mm-hmm. like, get a grip. The thing with Lana Del Rey, and I want to be very specific about this, when somebody suggested that we cover Lana Del Rey, it is in our wheelhouse because it's in a, it's a weird, it's a notes app, it's a typewritten notes app. I don't know what app she's using. Maybe she's using like the Tom Hanks I think she's using the Tom Hanks. It's like a weird app, yeah. <laughs> like it is in our wheelhouse, but Lana Del Rey, I think, is a them. So I could pawn that off and say, no, we, we don't have to talk about it. She's a them. But, but we talk about whatever the fuck we want. We could have talked about it. That was another excuse where we were like, oh, yeah. we don't want to talk about this. And because- I want to say that was wrong. And that was wrong. And we should have fucking talked about it because it's interesting. Because it's interesting and it's in our wheelhouse. It's about apologies. But also it came immediately after the Allison Roman thing. And instead yeah. of saying we did the Allison Roman thing wrong, we approached the Allison Roman thing thoughtlessly. Let's just not do this again. Yeah. As opposed to let's get better at it. That was another decision that we made. We said, you know what? Let's just not do this again because we don't want to fuck up like we fucked up in the past. We should have said, we will talk about this and we're going to make amends to our Allison Roman conversation. We're going to do this better than we did in the past because we are smart people who can use their platform to actually discuss things. But we didn't do it. While in fact, what's really interesting about Lana Del Rey is that her thing overlaps with Allison Roman because list again what people said to lana's you know make your statement but why list other women why list these women Mm -hmm. a lot of which were women of color you know even if lana was just leading like yeah like you got beyonce on there why list names of women if your point is saying a lot of things on the radio are about these topics. Why do these songs are beloved by America? Why do they get a pass and mine When don't? my songs, I'm called a, I'm glamorizing sex and I'm glamorizing drugs. I'm glamor. Like that's a di- that to me is a lot like what kind of Alison Roman yeah. said, which was like, I want to make a point about selling out. This is my yeah. point that I'm making, but I'm going to name two women for seemingly no reason does not make her point any better if and then exposes essentially her bias and like Mm -hmm. lana is in the same boat i just don't understand like if if you want to be taken seriously and now i'm seeing this i'm actually seeing her note different than when i saw it when it first came out which was honestly embarrassed i'm like you know fan why are you doing this yeah stan culture is like toxic in this way you Mm -hmm. know like i want to there's a really good piece in vulture by craig jenkins did you read this? Stan culture is due. A oh, reckoning. yeah. You sent me that. Yes. So are yes. the celebrities they worship. And it's just about it's about Doja Cat, who we can also talk about, which is a whole different conversation. I recommend listening to Popcast. They talked about Lana and Doja this week. Really mm-hmm. good. But also like talking about the ideas, like the way that you stand behind your your object of Stan, like how that affects the way that they then speak. Like he mm-hmm. says, um, he writes, Outside the castle walls, the wolves are hungry. That neither artist knows how people really see them, that neither could tell how the public would process the actions they're being criticized for, speaks to the fact that for celebrities, social media is one part echo chamber where fans flatter them year round and one part firing squad when they screw up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Doja Cat thing, I can also just say what happened there if you have any thoughts about that. I mean, from what I gathered, you know, videos came out of Doja Cat in these tiny chats where there was a lot of conversation about race and Doja Cat was involved in those conversations. And then also there was a song that came out that Doja claimed was kind of a comment on on racism and race. And the song itself was very inappropriate, you know, mm-hmm. especially taken out of context from that explanation, which of course it was because everything is taken out of the context. And also we can read her, speaking of apologies, we can read hers. Um, She said, I want to address what's been happening on Twitter. I've used the public chat rooms to socialize since I was a child. That's like so real because that's such a like generational thing. I shouldn't have been on some of those chat room sites, but I personally have never been involved in any racist conversations. I'm sorry to everyone that I offended. I'm a black woman. Half of my family is black from South Africa and I'm very proud of where I come from. As for the old song that's resurfaced, this is the one where people were claiming that it was like she was making fun of victims of police brutality. Um, Mm -hmm. She thought it was specifically about like Sandra Bland. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And she's like, no, that's not what this was about at all. She says, it was written in response to people who often use that term to hurt me. I made an attempt to flip its meaning, but recognize that it was a bad decision to use that term in my music. Um, Doja Cat explained herself much better, but also Doja Cat is constantly doing this. So Doja Cat has more experience apologizing. Doja Cat is canceled with, every five months. Well, the thing with Doja Cat being canceled every five months, uh, however you feel about cancellation culture, you know, like hashtag blank is over, you know, like that type of mm-hmm. thing online. The thing about Doja, which also makes her so interesting, right, is that she's been, she's the most online person. Like going mm-hmm. back to the beginning of her career, she would go on live and like just talk to people like she has been online there is so much this is like if you started a blog when you were 10 and it was from your you know it went up to your whole life you those things are just they change you right like her experience has always been like talking to fans doing stuff like being online before she even had fans I mean she does her Mm -hmm. apology video on Instagram live in a shirt that says hentai with flames I mean she is of by the internet of the internet like Mm -hmm. if you don't think that people are gonna see that you know what I mean and that's what makes her so charming that's what makes her so compelling it's not just her music I mean it like moo that first song that she came out with was like purely of the internet like mm-hmm. she's that makes her so fascinating and she was canceled for tweets soon after you know but then came back again like i just think it's just one of those things where it's like online and it's the opposite of lana who i think is in this bubble and the reason why we're comparing them is because this happened around the same time and the, the same craig jenkins the craig jenkins essay kind of is comparing them so it's in my mind mm-hmm. but these are two different very, very different situations, yeah. <laughs> you know? Dosha also ended her video apology with something that Lana would never say, which was, I'm not perfect, but at the end of the day, I shouldn't be doing dumb stuff. Like, Lana would never admit right. to that. We've seen that right. in the past, and we know moving forward that Lana is not going to learn from this. If she does, like, I'm happy to eat my words, but, like, I just don't see her doing this. L- Lana ended her thing with, buy my poetry book, in case you're wondering. Also, Lana used to date a cop, so, like, let's, like, <laughs> let's, like not mince words. She's dating a cop, <sighs> and all these other celebrities are out here protesting the cops and asking to defund the cops and right and Lana's that, like that speaks have volumes you have you yeah. met my ex uh the next thing i wanted to talk about i mean i guess we could play a call you have a call i have a call Liz, for this there you guys are getting so many phone calls about this i bet but leah michelle what is happening crunch crunch good question and i think there's a way of talking about this that sort of just goes into everything we've been talking about today i think it's very appropriate to talk about leah michelle at this time just like it's usually appropriate to talk about leah michelle because she's always either fucking up or doing something really funny so here's what happened leah michelle this was on monday leah michelle tweeted george floyd did not deserve this this was not an isolated incident and it must end hashtag black lives matter she put this on twitter trying to involve herself into the conversation against police brutality and Black Lives Matter. But here's the issue. And this is the this is the trap that I and I and I and again this episode is getting way too personal even for us. But it's like when I look at Leah Michelle doing this, this is like this is the example I never want to be made. Where I am speaking out against one thing. Let's say in this instance, police brutality. And but your life does not only reflect to be that told work. that my life does not reflect that. Only to be told yeah. that I'm being a hypocrite. My public and personal lives do not align. We don't want to come on this podcast and say, "Here's what we're doing to better ourselves," and "Here's what you other white people should be doing to better yourselves," unless we can also back it up. And what Leah Michelle did here is prove that she does not walk the walk. She only talks the talk. And the reason we know that is because after she tweeted that, her old cast member, Samantha Ware, quote tweeted Leah's tweet and said, LMAO, all caps, by the way, I think that adds to the passion of this. LMAO, remember when you made my first television gig a living hell? Question, exclamation, question, exclamation. Because I'll never forget. I believe, we're still all caps. I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would quote, shit in my wig, amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in Hollywood. Uh, the funniest tweet I saw about this, not that any of this is funny, is that it was like, I don't think those are microaggressions. I think that's just straight up aggressive to threaten to shit in her wig. I mean, wig. that is a very fucked up and racist thing to say is you're going to shit in a black woman's wig. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, does it get, it, uh, if she's quoting her, which I think she is, like, it doesn't get worse than that. Can I just say, I thought it was so funny people, because Samantha Ware, people know from Glee, she was on the last season of Glee and people were posting videos and they were like wouldn't you would be uh you would be threatened by this person if they were in your cast too and it's like this incredible video of her singing a janelle monet song i think it's tight rope <laughs> some people talk about you like they know all about you when you get down they doubt you and when you're tipping on the scene yeah they talk about it because they can tip on the scene what you talking about it talk about it 
it You dance up on them haters Kicking them funky on the scene While they jump around you They're trying to take all your dreams But you can't allow it Cause baby, whether you're high Turns out this actress, she's been, she was in Glee, but then she was also on What If. Remember that Renee Zellweger show that was on Netflix that was like very like two out seconds. of control? And everyone yeah. was like, that show sucks. Oh my God, what is she doing? And she's then everyone forgot in it. about it. I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. I had to. But she's in Ooh. it. She's really good. And she, she also is still a musician. Judy. She's yeah. still a musician. She had a music video come out like a f- under the name Samea. After she sort of opened the floodgates, a lot of people started pouring out. Not as many. One thing you'll notice in the, the coverage of this the coverage of this will use a lot of the cast members' photos and be like, here's what Kevin McHale and Alex <laughs> Newell and right. um, and Amber Riley have to say about Leah Michelle. And the thing is, not many of them said things explicit. They either didn't say something, said something explicit, or said something vague. Well, the Amber headlines Riley, will make you think that they all commented <laughs> Amber explicitly. Riley, who is an actress from Glee, who played... Uh, Mercedes. She, like, retweeted with, like, a gif. Like, she had, like, a gif moment, but the funny a thing... A gif was, of like, herself. It was a gif of herself, <laughs> which is... The ultimate famous person flex is like when you're using a gif of yourself. But the point is, is like, is when they came to her, because of course she opened, they op- the floodgates opened, then people were coming to her trying to interview her about that. And she said, yeah. fuck that. Black Lives Matter. That is not important. Like, we need to focus yes. on something else. So like, love she that. She said, defund the police, prosecute <laughs> yeah. killer cops, Black Lives Matter. So like, shout out to her, because that is annoying that somebody then came to her with a follow-up interview about bullshit. And she said, I'm using this platform to say Black Lives Matter. Like, here's yes. like, oh, you want an interview? Like, that's your interview it's just it's it is a very complicated thing to happen quote right now but it only happened because of right now because you have leah michelle Mm -hmm. tweeting that stuff you know and because her apology wasn't good enough you know and then you have and then you have can i just say i think for a lot of these people who have been mistreated by her no apology would be good enough because the idea is like the damage was done and it was very bad damage do you know what i mean like it she was. has a history of mistreating people that she works Speci- with but the way that she mistreated the black woman was a specifically oh, wa- racist disgusting. mistreatment yes so yes, yes. it's sort of like she's finally having to contend with her with her history with her past behavior which is what all of this is which is i think why <laughs> yeah. i wanted to play that call leah michelle in addition to being a frequent topic of conversation on this show because she's so fucking ridiculous and, and because she does Sabra Hummus Spawn, which we and because love. she does Sabra Hummus Spawn and HelloFresh Spawn, which she does no longer because HelloFresh said absolutely not. We want no part in this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I-, I wanted to play that call because it's like, yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's still Who Weekly. But what can we actually learn from this? And the answer is a lot. Don't be like Leah Michelle. Don't be like Leah Michelle. You cannot be the person who claims to be one thing only to go back home and behave completely differently, especially right. when you're famous. Because when you are famous, that's the thing that we get. That's one of the things that we learn from our calls. It's like this. It's like the Ellen thing. It's like it's Leah Michelle, But it's like when you are famous, you work with so many people. It's not just famous people. It is assistants and stagehands and PAs and just and the and the janitorial service and the gardening right. staff on the lot the, right all like, of these so funny people about being famous observing- is that everybody remembers you and knows what you look like and tells their friends <laughs> stories about you and like it, you become a thing <laughs> all of the stories about yourself are being back channeled and for a long time people didn't have the outlets to reveal those stories and now they do and it's it's coming back to to haunt a lot of these people, just like Ellen, just like Leah. It's just so, I guess, satisfying for a lot of people who had bad experience with her that Sammy Ware was brave enough to like just be like, fuck this. Like, yeah. fuck this. This is someone who, is, who has dealt with her for so long. And now she's like, I can't worry about what this does to my career if I call this woman out anymore. Like, I can't let these things bother me. Just like John Boyega said, you know? And it's a shame that Sammy Ware ever had to be put in the position of having to make choices over calling out someone's racist behavior or having a career. But that is a situation Sammy found herself in. And if anything, this should be to watch Sammy Ware call out Leah Michelle in all caps and tell this horrifying story should be both upsetting and horrific and inspiring to people because it means that people refusing to let these systems hold them down any longer and keep them quiet any longer. 
and not to keep repeating myself, but it's like, we are trying to learn from these things. And how can we, how can we use the story of Leah Michelle and Sammy Ware to make our podcast better? That is a thing that we have to think about now. And I think that's good. And I hope the conversation we had today is different than the one we would have had two weeks ago. You know, like, mm-hmm. I hope that that's kind of the idea of putting things into a new perspective yeah. and learning and and reading that email from that hooligan and saying, oh, you're right. Like, we got to cover things in a different way or at least like expand the horizons. And when we yeah. talk about Leah Michelle, talk about why it's not just funny that her uh, apology was was not great. It's terrible. But like th- why the original incident is so fucked mm-hmm. up, you know? Yeah. So, um... Yes, this episode was different, but I don't want to say I'm sorry that it was different because we shouldn't have to apologize for doing an uncomfortable thing. It should be an expected thing. It should be what everyone is doing. Um, But all we can control really, really acutely and specifically is ourselves. And so we are grateful to the people who have so lovingly reached out to us. The the first email, the email that we've been referencing literally ends with, with love. And we are just like wildly disappointed in ourselves for responding to an email that was sent with love with an absence of it. It's just extremely humbling to know that people who listen to the show want it to be better. So do we. Yeah. We are committed to making the show better. It's going to be better. You have our word. And if you listen to the show and you think we've broken that word, let us know because that's what the phone line is for. It's not just telling us some it's, spicy piece of tea about Ben We don't ben spend Affleck. hours listening to your phone calls for nothing. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about, like, because we think you're funny and want to play your funny stoned calls. Mm-hmm. It's because, like, we're trying to make a show where, like, you can talk to us and mm-hmm. we can listen. And so I hope that you feel like you're being listened to because yeah. we are freaking listening. And specifically to the white audiences, because they have more to do. If you see instances of Us Weekly or People or any other website that is focusing far too much on white gossip and maybe should diversify their gossip, let them know. That's what those emails are for. Like it couldn't, it it couldn't hurt. And it is our responsibility in this moment to call out racism when we see it regardless of how uncomfortable it makes us feel. That is what all of us should be learning. And thank you for listening in the past. And hopefully thank you for listening in the future. And like what we can only say, thank you. And also like everyone says it's, it's, it's like, did you see Lego donated $4 million yeah, today? Good for them. Good for them. But it's like, I'm only going to say good for them. If anyone donates, like I can't say anything else big or small, you know? And everyone says, if you can't protest, if you can't put in a lot of the work, open up your purse. So we're going to do that too. We're going to donate um, two weeks of our ad revenue to citywide bailout funds, Black Lives Matter, the GoFundMe's of victims of police brutality, including Breonna Taylor. We're going to spread it Other out victims a of racist violence. And when possible, we'll set up recurring donations because that's always the most helpful move if you can do it. And we can do it. So we're going to do it. But this is not about us. This is about white people learning and white people doing better so that black people don't have to hold this burden on their own. And it's about communication. So by making the Monday show broader, more expansive, by respecting Houdat, but also celebrating Black who's outside of Houdat, we hope to make not only the Monday show better, but the Friday show better. So we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Why do I keep saying the Monday episode? We recorded on Mondays, we recorded on on Tuesdays. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. And our phone lines are open, 619-WHO-THEM. Call in with questions, comments, and concerns. Black Lives Matter, you can read our show notes for all the ways you can help donate, although I'm sure you know by now. Yeah. Be safe out there when you're protesting, and don't be like Leah Michelle. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Black Lives Matter. Stay healthy and stay vigilant. You will say that.